Hey everybody, bienvenidos, bienvenu, benvenuti, willkommen. Welcome to another episode of the Red Card Report podcast. This is episode number 53, and we are talking Champions League again this week. I'm actually really surprised that I'm in this hyped of a mood after what I saw today from my team, but here to cheer me up and, you know, maybe, you know, spill some knowledge on all this stuff, I have two guests, not just one. Well, are you a guest, Rui? I'm sorry if I called you a guest. Joe, putting me in the mud right now. <laughs> Thanks for the your proper fa- your introduction. Catchphrase. No, but I am joined by my co-host, Rui Pereira. Rui, how you doing? Not fantastic. Sorry. Not as always? Not as always. Not right now. You just dusted me. Put I'm me so in the mud. sorry. You're using a lot of catchphrases tonight. Oh, thanks, Joe. You'll have to keep it up. Why don't you get on to our uh, beloved guest here? Returning guest, I might add, Eddie Baptista. Eddie, how are you doing? I'm doing extremely well. Fantastic <laughs> as always. I do not. I'm not recovering from any diseases, but I am not a guest. I am no longer a guest. I am a. Uh, You're right. Frequent flyer. That Let's actually, call it that. Do, we need to start building levels to all of this stuff. I know. We're going to have we to really start dishing do. out positions. Like, you get promoted, like you prestiged, you know, that sort of stuff. But he he's right. He is no longer a returning guest. He is he's a, he's, he's part a, of the crew. He's part of the crew. He really is. I think he's going to be taking your job real soon, Joe. No, no. I'm not here for anybody's yeah. neck. I mean. Wink, wink. I'm not saying that you wouldn't do a good job, but damn. All right. Okay. I see where your head's at, really. Joe is like our Larry King. <laughs> <laughs> Pretentious oh podcast. God. Oh boy. Oh man. We're really Shots we're, fired. We're digging deep. Anyway. If only our audience knew what what, what that Eddie was meant. referring to. Yeah, sure. Maybe some other times. Come ask us about that. Anyway, shall we get to like let's get to, can we get to the, the actual football, please? Let's do it, it was a Champions League week. Well, our favorite week as football fans. And we had some really good matchups and some pretty, I don't want to say astonishing results, but definitely good results. Let's start off with the first fixture, Chelsea versus Bayern. Bayern totally steamrolling Chelsea. Rui, give us the lowdown. What happened? Bayern have really taken off ever since Hansi Flick t- uh, took over. I know the first month for him was a little up and down, still trying to figure out what to do and make things work at the club, but things are looking great at Bayern. Their defense is tight. Their midfield is finally working together as a unit. They're pressing well, and their attack is just unstoppable. Robert Lewandowski, once again, Serge Gnabry, uh, Kingsley Coleman, and a surprising player, Thomas Muller this year has been fantastic at that number 10 position. He's been great. 14 assists in the Bundesliga alone, I think 17 throughout the entire year. Damn. Good He's really just adopt, adapting to that number 10 position, which throughout his career, we've seen him more as the striker, second striker, or outside at right midfield. But a lot a lot of great things uh, for Bayern. They look like a, a completely different team than what they were in the beginning of the year. And yeah. the rising star, Alfonso Davies. That's who I was going to be like. You listed all wow. those players, and you didn't list Alfonso Davies. Yeah, I mean, the kid is unreal. He had a beautiful assist. I think it was to Robert Lewandowski's goal, the third one. That defense, how Hansi Flick has just did. Like I know we mentioned this before, the the musical chairs of the defense, how they 
they brought in uh, Alfonso Davies to play at the left back, and then they yep. moved Alaba to center back, and then they, they rotated between Boateng and um, Javi Martinez at the other center back position, then Benjamin Pavard to the right back, and then from the right back position, they moved Kimmich, Joshua yeah. Kimmich, to a deep-lying midfield position. He's been fantastic there as yeah, well. Yeah, I remember we were really skeptical about about all of this beforehand. We were saying that Bayern's defense was going to be their Achilles heel, and it turns out with just a little bit of tweaking, <coughs> and since they're all fine. That, since all that's happened, too, just locking locking down the defense and pressing more in the midfield they've been so effective especially on the ground duels they've been scoring even more and not just relying on Lewandowski yeah other players are scoring as well yeah Eddie give us your take on this game and I I want to add do you also think that in terms of Chelsea because I know that you watched the Prem um people have been saying that this was a more defensive-looking Chelsea? Do you think that that is one reason why they might have gotten exposed so badly? No, I mean, I don't think that Chelsea is as defensive as people make them out to be. It was just a pure matter of grown men versus boys. (laughs) And, you know, going into this game, there was so much talk about, you know, that 2012 final where, you know, Chelsea came from behind and eventually beat Bayern in that shootout. But this had no correlation to that match. This Bayern showed up to Stamford Bridge and took the three points and they got one foot into the next round of this competition. And it's just like, it was such a convincing performance. I think that Bayern had all the right keys to dominate that game. They had the experience. They had the intensity. And I just think that their players were just ready for it. Mm -hmm. Chelsea every week they're going toe-to-toe with whatever the opponent. It could be, you know, they're playing Arsenal or they could be playing, you know... uh, Norwich. Norwich. It doesn't matter. It's always an intense game. And they have a very young team, which I don't think know how to handle a game in this type of situation. And that's why Bayern came in and just took it and run with it. It was just complete uh, domination. Serge Gnabry going to London for a second time this season, bagging a brace... (laughs) Lewandowski getting it done too, and it's just like three nil, game set match. I think they don't even need to play the return leg. Uh, Bayern's got this in the bag. Yeah, and um, Lewandowski actually picked up an injury in that match. He's going to be out for four weeks. So seriously, yeah, he's going to miss four weeks of the Bundesliga. Damn. He's going to miss a second leg, but I think even without him, Bayern will still be all right. And they'll be in the quarterfinals, and Lewandowski will be set to go. Yeah, I was actually going to ask. Give me. First of all, give me who your man of the match was, both of you, and then predictions on who's going to go through, even though pretty sure we all know. I'm going to go with Serge Gnabry, and then predictions. Uh, I think they're going to win 2-1. to one. That's fair. What about you, Eddie? Okay. Uh, I'm also going to say Serge Gnabry, and mm-hmm. you know he's pretty much that next generation of Bayern players, and, and he's just first class. He was in London for, for some time. You know, they always talk about it, but it just wasn't that time in his career. And I feel like every time he goes there, he has a point to prove. And he's just been so much more clinical. And I feel like he's that turning page for Bayern. Um, I feel like he has a lot to do in the next couple of seasons for that team. He could really become, you know, a, a model player for them. And then for the next leg, I think it's going to be a shit show i think that <laughs> Bayern will probably win 4-1 in germany I, I don't i don't see any other type of result 
I minus think Lewandowski. Minus Lewandowski, yeah, absolutely. They they still have a crazy amount of firepower. Mm-hmm. Even like Coutinho, who gets off the bench, they still have Thiago Alcantara. Yeah, they're in. You know, moving Alaba to to center back limits them, I guess, on the flanks. But with Davies and uh, who's on the other side? Oh, Pavard. Uh, Pavard. Like I feel like it doesn't even matter. So, yeah, hands down, Bayern all the yeah. way. You have Muller that can just go in, play the number nine position. He's a great yeah. finisher. Yeah, that's true. And then true. you bring in Coutinho playing at the number right. ten. They yeah. got so, it. and Coutinho's really reestablished himself this year. So he's he's really picked up his game. It's elevated, Actually. and he's been a crucial player coming off the bench. And Bayern's got a lot of depth this year. Now that you mentioned that, do you like uh, this? Question's for both of you. Do you think Coutinho will stay? He's on loan for two years, I believe. Do you think that they'll just be like, "We like you"? I don't know. What pay, the, I don't know if there was an option to buy. If there was like a set Maybe. fee. I feel like remember the episode we, the last episode we talked about Barcelona, and we were like, "They're hurting for cash." This yeah. could be quick money. That's why that's, it could be. That's what I'm saying. But I'm gonna say no because I believe Bayern Munich's gonna end up investing in uh, other in Leroy Sané. Oh, and true. that's gonna that's be a right. hefty fee. True. And just buy Holland in like two years. Like they do with Dude, that's, every, that's been my prediction. Right. They, got, they have to that's lay that prediction. groundwork. So yeah, you're right. They're gonna they'll save that cash, and they won't buy Coutinho. See, good thoughts, good thoughts, guys. Anyway. But do you think that Coutinho has a place if he goes back to Barcelona? Mm, ooh. Do you think he that would be as influential as he could potentially be at Bayern? I feel like he, I feel like he would suffer mentally more than anything. Uh, going back to a place where he he never really felt at home, you know. I mean, he wanted to get the hell out of Liverpool, so and he thought Barcelona was, was the, the answer. Yeah. He thought he thought Barcelona be, was going to be that answer, and the the grass was greener in the Camp Nou. But let's be honest, it's it's hard, you know, especially playing with in Messi. Messi's shadow. Maybe when Messi's re- Messi's retiring, you know, you can go and and solidify your spot, take that number ten shirt, but. It's a long way out. Yeah, I was gonna. That's my thought: so you, is how much you know, longer would you, know you be able to do that? Liverpool madness that we're seeing, this hysteria on Twitter, these obnoxious fans, is all because of Coutinho. You guys understand yeah. this, right? Yeah, he I say this the, all the time. Yeah, he was the. He's the guy he that the brought domino. in all the cash. Yep. To buy all these fucking players, and now Liverpool fans are just just <laughs> unloading on, on yeah. everyone. Man, he was it, the one domino that and knocked we have to over put up everything with all else. This. They actually got stronger i say this all the time after they sold coutinho and i mean right now they're riding that wave let's see how much longer that this could continue on but football happens in waves look at real madrid where they are now after you know winning three champions league in a few years yep totally different story there we're actually we're going to talk about them a little bit later but before we get to them let's talk about their hated rivals barcelona was on the road to napoli uh, amazing atmosphere at that stadium, per usual, and also kind of a surprising result for a lot of people. Napoli tying it one-one. Rui, give us the lowdown. I thought, um, I thought in the first half, Napoli really frustrated Barcelona. Yeah, the typical Barcelona way, having a lot of uh, a lot of possession whenever they can, but it seemed very meaningless. I thought the the midfield of Napoli really worked hard, limited Barcelona's chances. And you know what? Kind of like what we saw last in one of the games last week. I forgot which one it was. Where um, it seemed, despite having so much possession, oh, it was that Atletico and yeah. Liverpool? Right. 
Uh, Liverpool had so much possession, just like Barcelona, but just like Atletico, Napoli seemed like they had a lot of chances. Ter Stegen had to make quite a few saves, and Mertens was able to find the back of the net. Huge goal, perfect placement on his uh, finesse shot into the top corner. Nothing Ter Stegen can do about it. And the atmosphere at the Sao Paulo when that goal was scored. It's huge. It yeah. was huge. It was it, it it just gave you goosebumps just like listening to it from your TV. It was amazing. So kudos to Napoli. This is a very good, uh, I, I think this is a, a decent result, not the best result, but we shall see what's going to happen in the second leg. Uh, Vidal and Busquets are going to be out because of suspensions. Okay. Vidal picked up a stupid red card. Right. And uh, PK. PK might be out for that game too with an injury. He had to leave this game because of a, he picked up an injury right before the, the final whistle. So we'll see what's going to happen. So the game is up in the air is what you're saying. I think so. I the think next game. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough match in, in Barcelona. Barcelona always play well at home in the Champions League, but this team is just very broken right now in terms of, having, like, of depth. Mm-hmm. And now Busquets and Vidal are out. These are two crucial players when you only have like a certain amount on your team. It's going to be a huge blow, but we'll see. And Eddie, got to throw it over to you. What do you make of this match? And since Barcelona is going to be the home team next game, would you say advantage Barcelona? One would be safe to assume that it's advantage Barcelona. But we all know this competition, everything is really up in the air for the second leg. But I do have to say this. I think that Gattuso prepared really well for this match. He went into this game similarly to how Simeone went into his. And you can really see, you know, he probably took notes while watching that Atletico game. (laughs) He really wanted to just sit back, let Barca have the ball, and absorb that pressure. Um, And then in the end, I I think that Napoli made the most of the possession that they had. Granted, they had, you know, 33 or 39% of the possession, they had the more appealing chances, the more dangerous chances. You know, Mertens slotting that, that's signature Mertens. You know, he will do that nine times out of ten. Um, I think that they contained them so well in the first half. That's probably going to be what they model this, this second leg off of. Zero shots on goal, which is incredible for, for Barcelona. Just like what Atletico did. You know, same type of thing. No opportunities to a very dangerous team. Um, I think that in the return leg, like I said, they'll have that same strategy. And Barca, with their injuries and with their suspensions and how well they contain Messi, is going to be a really defining factor in that next leg. So I'm curious to see how it's going to be. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a a 2-2 game, and we'll see Napoli go through. That would be immense. And just this thought came into my head. I think that this, if I'm not mistaken, this is Gattuso's first time coaching in the Champions Mm -hmm. League, correct? So what kind of, like, if you were to give him a letter grade after just this one game, what would you guys give him? B plus? A minus? Yeah, I mean, I'm in that vicinity. I think that with this lack of experience in this competition and to the level of a team that Barcelona is, he really impressed me with how well he prepared for that match. So I'm leaning more towards an A minus. Yeah. If he had gotten the three points I think that's or fair. held that 1-0, A plus in, in my book. For but sure. Let's see in the second ha- uh, second leg. He obviously he showed the kind of manager that he he can be. He definitely did his homework as as you said, Eddie, and surprised all of us, especially taking the lead in that game. Unfortunately, tied, but still 
we got to do a prediction. I, I honestly, I, I hate predictions, but it's what we are going on. We know yours, Eddie. Two two Napoli go through on away. What about you, Rui? What do you go. think? One nothing Napoli. Wow. wow. Barcelona getting knocked out at home. Yep. No, no reply think, goal either. I think Napoli is going to do it. I think Barcelona are broken, dusted, dusted as in the you mud. would say. And they're going to lose this weekend to Real Madrid. So it's <laughs> just, oh, it, the hurt's just going to be even worse. I think I think this team is broken. I think um, the players are just not they're not sinking well. But also the decisions up in the board have really affected this team's morale, the chemistry, everything. They're just short on players too. And there's just so many games. There's the La Liga, there's La Liga, there's Copa del Rey, Champions League, and with just a few players. And this is what three weeks. Three weeks away until the next, mm-hmm. the next leg. So there's three more weeks of football, adding on to True. all the all the players that are pretty much going to be playing in all those games. The same players with limited resources. Yep. Yeah. So we will see what ends up happening at the comp now. Um, but speaking of broken teams, we're going to France in this one. Lyon versus Juve. Lyon with a big upset, one nil to them against Juventus. Rui, give us a lowdown on what happened in that game. Juve, Juve, merda. Juve, Juve, merda. Juventino, merda. <laughs> yep, yep. Joe, I'm sorry, man. Um, I had a prediction of you guys winning 3-1. to one Big, yeah. thought Ronaldo was going to come out, score a couple of goals. thought the attack was going to be really fluid on this broken Lyon team without Memphis Depay. Without quite a few other players, um, Renee Adelaide is also another crucial attacker that they don't have. I was very, very surprised with this result, but Lyon really deserved it. I thought they played really well. They muzzled that Juventus attack. They beat them in the midfield. Juventus did have like a lot of possession, but I don't think they had a shot on goal this game. Not a single shot on goal. Maybe Second one. Ha- we had one. Second so, half. That I can tell you. One, so One shot on target. <laughs> that's unacceptable. That when you have the quality that Juventus has, mm-hmm. you have you have Pjanic, you have Dybala, you have Cristiano Ronaldo, you have Iguayin. These are just proven proven players and just it's unacceptable in my opinion. But uh, I think they will end up turning it around in Turin mm-hmm. and they will be going through. But things need to change. This is this inconsistency that we've seen the last couple of seasons at Juventus, Allegri last year, now it's Sadi. There's just at times there's there's shades of of brilliance, and yeah, when Sadi ball absolutely. works, it it looks fantastic, better than Allegri ball. But this team is just not synced. They're not moving the ball fast enough. They're not communicating well. They, they just can't they can't build a chemistry yet. That midfield is killing this team. Yeah. Exactly what Sari said. They're not moving the ball the way that they should. And you're seeing, you know, the effects of that. And it's too slow. Too slow. Way too slow. That so th- thank you for that. Um Eddie, give me your honest opinion on this, please. Okay. So the stage was set. <laughs> Going into this round of sixteen, Ronaldo, I mean, stage was set for this guy to to bag a brace, score another signature performance. 52 goals in knockout game, knockout games, incredible record. Um, but Leon just matched that. Their atmosphere, their fans, that was just that stadium was just an absolute party. So I think that that performance 
was dictated based on that home field advantage, and you can really feel that in the champions. They pushed Ronaldo more towards the center, trying to get him more involved in attacks. And just like Napoli did to Messi, they did the same thing with Ronaldo, where they phased him out of the game. Even though he was their best attacking option, they just kept him absolutely quiet, and he didn't have a sniff at goal, which is impressive with the form that Ronaldo's been in. Yeah, true. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think after that goal, which was excellently executed, it gave Leon, you know, that confidence to keep on going forward. And they they had another two or three chances after that. You could really see the shift in the momentum change right after that goal. You know, they had the uh, episode where they hit the crossbar off to the corner. They were making the most out of their opportunities. And any time that they got the ball, they took it and ran with it and created something with it. Yep. That that is absolutely true. Um, I just want to I want to add. We did look. Be- I think we looked better in the second half, but it was obviously too little, too late. You can't be playing for only twenty minutes. You gotta be playing for ninety, and that's exactly what this team did. So, I I guess I'm just disappointed. Not not so much. I feel like we can turn the the you know the whole situation around, but seven months, man. You would think that we would be a little bit more well-oiled after seven months, you know. Flowing. So, and now, now he's getting now Saudi is getting upset. Like I've been upset for for months. And Saudi yeah. even said today that the team still needs more time to adapt to his style. And I don't it's even not. know if he has the right players. No, for his style know. of play. I really don't know. So anyway, predictions on the next leg. Two you nothing, first. Juve. Okay. Okay. I you you're not going to hurt my feelings, no, Eddie. No, Don't I'm worry. not here to hurt your feelings. <laughs> Leon held Juve to scraps. Like Juve had nothing to create a goal off of, which was impressive, and that was in France. So going to Turin might be behind closed doors. Who knows? But could be. I just I can't see Juventus getting a convincing win. I'm predicting one-one for that return leg. And Leon progressing. It could. Only because I want to see it happen. <laughs> I feel like Leon, after that performance, they deserve it. And for my boy Memphis, who is working hard to get back to uh, the pitch, I want to see you know his team progress. No, I mean, and they did it without fair. Memphis Depay, which is he is Crazy. such a pivotal yeah. uh, player in that team. Oh, absolutely. So I, anything can happen, like you said. So we'll, we'll see. see the next leg. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> anyway, another... I I don't want to. This wasn't. Was this a surprise? A surprise result? I I don't know. That was one prediction that I had right out of the four that I made. This I week. mean, it's like better exact, than usual. The, the ex- thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, like the exact score line. Yeah. Oh, okay. So double points for you yeah. for getting it right on the nose. We're talking about Real Madrid versus Man City, by the way. Man City winning it two to one. With a penalty by Kevin De Bruyne, um, Rui. I didn't mean to steal your thunder on that, but tell us what else happened in that game. Any any significant things? Yeah, I, if I was a Manchester City fan, I wouldn't be happy with the starting lineup that Pep put out. I mean, you had Aguero, Fernandinho, Raheem Sterling all on the bench. It just, it's kind of like, do you not want to win this game? <laughs> but uh, even in the, even with all. The players that he had on the pitch, 
Manchester City looked pretty good in the first half. Real Madrid not really getting much going. They looked a little bit more dangerous. Man City looked a little bit more dangerous in the first half. And then in the second half, they started off pretty strong, Manchester City, until they conceded that goal. A really stupid mistake from Nicolas Otamendi, who gave a hospital ball to Rodri. And Rodri lost control of the ball. And then, boom, you know, Real Madrid on those counterattacks, they broke. Ended up putting one away. And, man, Manchester City, they just responded. And you can just like feel that they were going to score in that game. And they scored two quick goals. One from uh, Gabriel Jesus, a header over uh, Sergio Ramos. And then Raheem Sterling coming off the bench, winning a penalty over uh, Carvajal, who brought him down in the box. Foolish tackle. And it really costed them. And De Bruyne, De Bruyne, De Bruyne. Clutch, cool, calm, collective penalty. And that was the decisive factor. And beat Courtois, but Courtois, I got to give this guy a shout out because I've been criticizing this guy a lot this past year, but he was huge in this game. Okay. He was absolutely Given- huge, putting up huge saves, keeping Real Madrid ahead when they were, and there was nothing that he can do with on, on both goals, really. Yeah, giving credit where credit is due. Anyway, Eddie, what do you make of this game? And uh, might I add... Do it- We've been seeing those sorts of tackles more. I feel like more often, and they've been getting called as penalties. Is that is that a stonewall penalty? It is, but you, as the striker, know that with any little contact from this tackle, it's going to be a penalty. So well played by 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 Sterling and just stupid tackle on Carvajal. Like guy is literally going to the touchline, and you go you outstretch yourself like that. You know that's that's. His eyes lit up. Sterling saw that and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going down. Yep. Now, instant penalty. And I was surprised with how, I wouldn't say poorly, but how little of a performance that Real gave in Spain, knowing that this was a crucial home game and then to give up two away goals, I mean, pretty much counts them out. Um, I think that Sergio Ramos making rash decisions was, was terrible. And now, you know, he's out for the next... For the next match, the whole game, Real Madrid just lagged, and City plays at a at a pace that is almost unmatched. Between uh, De Bruyne and Jesus, the speed was impeccable, and with the way that Jesus has been playing, he's going for a run at Aguero's spot. I don't know if you watched the the match this weekend, but Aguero missed a penalty, got taken off, right. yep, subbed by Jesus. Jesus comes on and scores the game-winning goal. So that's a confidence. That's that's like that's got to be a blow to Aguero. For Pep to confide in Jesus in a game like this and for him to deliver, really starts changing the path of who's starting at, as striker. That that's a very good point. Bravo, Eddie. Um, anyway, see, <laughs> we wanted to start. I'm not. I'm not going to take the the Ramos report out yet but um at least he's gonna rest for the uh the next round like he you know likes to do anyway <laughs> um predictions predictions going to the next leg which would be seeing man city at home three to one manchester city wow just mopping the floor with real madrid mm-hmm. okay we saw the last two seasons when real uh, when sergio ramos doesn't play in these knockout stages. Two years ago against Juventus, they were fortunate to just 
get out of Turin because I believe that if they didn't get that penalty in the 90th minute, I think Juventus would have won that game in extra time. So their defense looked pathetic, and Juventus were able to score three. Last year against Ajax, he was not there in that game where they just absolutely obliterated Real Madrid. As bad as Real Madrid can be on defense at times, Sergio Ramos is just really intelligent, and he corrects a lot of the wrongs. He's very athletic, even though if he makes a mistake, he's probably the best center back in the world at recovering and putting himself in the right position when there's something that's going wrong, and I think that's a huge, huge factor. Going into the next game, there's going to be a lot of mistakes (laughs) without him there, and there's not going to be someone to clean it up. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a shit show. A lot of shit shows going on for the next leg. Uh, Eddie, what about you? In the mud. (laughs) In the mud. Uh, Both teams, I feel, are pretty evenly matched, you know, know, pound for pound. Both have pretty shaky defenses. I don't trust any of their, uh, you know, those those back fours. But now with with Sergio Ramos, it becomes an apparent advantage for, for City in going to the Etihad. Regardless of which fans show up and what type of uh, atmosphere is there, I do feel like City is is meant to win this game. It will be a monumental victory on their end if they do pull through to this. I'm predicting two one. And also for City, they're going to be without Laporte. Pick oh, up okay. another injury today. He was subbed out early on, but the difference is Man City has been able to cope cope without him because he's yeah. been injury prone this year. So they've been figuring a way to play without him. They haven't been great. Fernandinho does a decent job at center back, but you know I prefer Fernandinho playing at that number six position because when he's there with Laporte behind him, very difficult to get by them and score on them. And that's the luxury that Pep has is that he has you know two to three positions for each player that's on his squad. You know he can rotate players. You know playing for Danilo as center back. No problem. You know, his back line will still be pretty strong. I feel like they're still prone to mistakes, but this is something that they can actually get through. Yeah. And can, I want to ask this question. It's semi-related to Man City. It's because Pep Guardiola is their coach. And we talked about it briefly before we started recording, but let's get it on the record. Is Pep Guardiola still trying to win a Champions League without Messi? Yes, of course, because (laughs) other than that, I mean, you 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 can talk about Pep all you want winning these domestic trophies and, you know, having a great run and breaking these records. But we want to see a Champions League. Manchester City needs a Champions League. You want to be solidified as one of the top European clubs, one of the elite. You have to win a Champions League. And for for you to not even sniff that trophy, get anywhere near a final. I mean, it's a disappointment. Didn't do it with Bayern. Didn't do it with Man City. Yeah, of course you're going to do it when you have the World Eleven squad. Yeah, yeah, you know, true. you got Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, and all these guys that, you know, are best world of beaters. the best. Yeah, yes, yeah. world beaters. You know, World Cup winners. Not Messi. But <laughs> they are the team. I mean, it was easily. It was easily done. Autopilot. Easily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You'll win You'll win Champions League. But, you know, for him to not be able to do it with these massive teams that he has just, you know, says a lot about what he's capable of. So you give Gasperini a team like uh, Man City, oh, man, all the way to the final. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's making it happen with Atalanta. So you, I mean, I can't argue with that. What about you, Ruby? What yeah, you so think? I, I think it's going to be part of deciding whether or not, like where we're going to 
place Pep in history, in the history books of greatest managers of all time. He needs this Champions League without Messi. So this is just so crucial for for Pep. I think I think he's going to be able to do it with the team that he has now. In, in this competition, when it's in the knockout you. stages, anything can really happen. Yeah, Pep has the team to do it, and I think I think the competition is just not as strong in Europe as we've seen over the last few years. Despite with the struggles that that Man City have had, the injuries that they've had, as we mentioned before, Laporte. I think they can muscle through and actually actually make it happen this year. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I wasn't trying to like drag Pep through the mud or anything like that. In but the mud. It did. <laughs> Catchphrase of the night. But um, I it was it's a legitimate, interesting question. Yeah, it's a fair one. I mean, he was at he was at Bayern Munich with a stacked team. Yeah, and there's still a stacked Man team. City with a stacked team. Barcelona with all those legends and and one thing I love about Pep he's just a very very humble dude and honest guy he was once asked before oh you know you won a Champions League with like Barcelona and they say it's more because of the players than you and he was like yeah of course like I'll never have a team like that again no one will ever have a team like that when you have Iniesta, Xavi, Messi, Puyo, PK in his prime it's hard not to win with a team like that but Pep's got a challenge, and as I mentioned before, where we're going to place Pep in the history books, it's going to come down to a Champions League outside of Barcelona. It has to. Yeah. The problem with Pep too is, you know, I watch I watch Man City in the in the Premier League, and there's games, you know, against a team like a Brighton or a Wolves where they just they're mismatched and they get dominated, whether it be at home or away, you know. They get dominated based on the intensity and just, you know, countering their own style of play. And I've seen, you know, teams just completely dominate them. So the beauty of Champions League is being able to prepare for two different types of matches because obviously you don't know where you're going into in your first leg. And depending on how that game ends will determine how you'll prepare for the second game. So it's it's a chess game at that uh, because then the second game you also have, you know, you go through the two halves right. possibility of overtime. So it's it's definitely a more strategic way. So you can't just depend on your players. You just have to mentally prepare and tactically prepare uh, for how you're, you want to execute that victory. So for like Simeone and Gattuso, how are they going to prepare for the next game? And that's, that's, that's what's going to make or break Pep because right mm-hmm. now it's advantage Pep. You know, two one going to Etihad. You have you know a foot in the next round, which I feel like he can take advantage of. He can have his team really take advantage of Madrid, who is obviously a weakened Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will see. Yeah. And one last thing, I just want to yeah. touch up on Go for Pep it. real quick. Going into these decisive games, Pep needs to stick with his normal style of play, his same agenda, same everything. We saw when he was in. Uh, Germany going head-to-head with Klopp when he was at Borussia Dortmund. There were games that they lost because in big games, especially when he goes up against managers like Pochettino and Jurgen Klopp, he ch- he tends to be a little conservative, making different um, tactics and strategic changes going into these matches. And every single time that he's done that, well, maybe not every single time, but most of the times that he's done it, it's always... It always led up to a negative result for him. So he needs to stick to his plan, the same plan that he 
that he intends to win and to be great with that team. So going up against Real Madrid, stick to the plan. And I think I think Man City will, will go through. But we've seen a correlation over the years that he's that he's always been a little conservative going into big matches. So that means start Gabriel Jesus. Is is that that's stick that's to what, what that works. means. <laughs> stick to what works. At least for right now. Anyway, that is it for the Champions League portion of this podcast. But I feel like that this is a pretty, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Global. Global topic. Thank you, Eddie. Um, it's the coronavirus. <laughs> and not not what you had, really. Um, but it's something that a lot of people right now have. And so many people. Is that a lot of Inter fans? So many people. Thanks, Inter. Have this virus now that it's gotten way out of hand. And it's actually affecting the sport that we all know and love. And right now it's... In Serie A, they're taking precautions right now. Games are going to be behind closed doors, um, especially like the Derby d'Italia is going to be behind closed doors. But the reason I bring it up is because do we think that that is, that is the right decision in terms of public health, order, all that stuff? Do uh, We're not experts on public health and all that stuff, but I feel like we can you know, spill some logic on this. Would it, is it right to play behind closed doors and not refund money or the opposite? It's never right to play a game (laughs) behind closed doors. Yeah. That's, that's one. And no, Joe, it's not right for Juventus to steal from their own fans. I know, dude, it's pretty bad. That's shameful. Honestly. Steal from us. You steal from your fans. Steal Steal from from your Nona. Pretty sure. Don't don't look at me. Don't. It, I had nothing to do. Pretty with Pretty sure it. he stole my wallet right stole now. from his You're, dad I'm, too. I'm texting Agnelli and he's asking me. He's like, "Should we refund the money for all these tickets?" And I'll be like, no. Offer a lousy three million euros. No. How about don't pay Ramsey and Rabio like thirty million euros a year? How about that? I don't know, or Ronaldo, man. I don't have million. any say in it. But so, so you no. don't know, no playing behind I mean, closed doors. Right, it? Uh, you know, I, I'm not an expert on this. I don't know the proper ways to go about this. Yeah, the virus seems pretty intense. Obviously, the majority you have a great chance of survive, especially if you're young and healthy, of surviving the the illness if you do catch it. But it is a, a concern. You do not want to spread it around, and you go to a football match. There's going to be fans everywhere. You know, you you travel by airplane, by train, whatever. It, it's contagious. So I guess that's just one way to minimize it. But I I don't know. I I guess it's okay. Okay. I guess it's okay it's for what that they reason. Have to do. It's what they have to do. And we don't know how long this is going to last. So we can't just keep postponing games every single week and then when are we, when are we going to end the season we had the euros That's coming true. up in 2020 uh in the, in the summer so yeah god help can't push it off we got to make sure it's out of there by then eddie what are your thoughts would you rather close the doors or postpone the match it's a tough question they are making the right decision just because you want to keep the pacing of the league to continue so Obviously, these are big games that that determine a lot happening in the table. So these games must go on. 
I don't know if playing behind closed doors is the right answer. You could have probably set something up in place, you know, as we've seen around the world, different checkpoints, airports, you know, different uh, border control, whatever it be, you know, you're at a checkpoint where, you know, you're getting checked. And, you know, maybe it, it would have been a more extensive process, but you could have had a checkpoint at every gate in the stadium to make sure whoever's going in is not bringing in any type of, you know, symptoms that would then infect, you know, anybody in that area. So that could have been a way to do it. I just don't know if they had the time or the resources. Uh, but I feel like instead of, you know, burning some some fans on their tickets, yeah, you could have at least put some money forward and put something in place that would at least, you know, help protect your fans. Right. Whether it be masks or those checkpoints or even, you know, quarantine areas. I, I don't know what it would be like. Yeah, but who knows? I feel like it was definitely possible that they could have played this game with fans there. Uh, but in the end, I do think, and I do respect their decision, I do think that it's the right way to go. Just try to contain it. But football is a spectator sport. What are people still going to do? They're going to go to the pub. They're going to go to the cafe. They're still going to. They're still going to socialize with with each other. There's still going to be that contact. So, I mean, we'll see what comes of it. But Italy right now is at is just shut down. Yeah. So, yeah. and they, yeah, they made the right decision. The streets of Milan, empty. No, like I'm telling the fans you, fans with they their are pockets empty. full again. Yeah, that's true. But seriously, Juve in the mud. No, and who knows? I'm just, I just thought of this, and who knows? Like, if they did set up checkpoints like that, maybe that's good data for like the World Health Organization to use for population, I mean, you it's, know, all that it stuff. Should be, it should be taken into consideration because we don't know how long this. We don't, don't know how long it's going to be. Guess, I guess we can call it an outbreak. Yeah, it's a, it's on every single continent, sure, except so, Antarctica. So, <laughs> I'm telling it's true. It's something that they do have to take into consideration because the Euros are going to be here in four months. So they have to come up with you know the things that Eddie were mentioning. Uh, Eddie was mentioning there's got to be some sort of plans because you cannot play this tournament without fans. Of course not. Anyway, <laughs> that's all I got. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add? Talking about the coronavirus, I feel like it just brings a lot of things into perspective and how the world is just completely connected and there is no border or there is no line that's going to separate us so that's why these outbreaks happen um, and I, I do think that it will run its course in time and we need to be a little bit more forward thinking um, and thinking about more of the solutions you know, I'm sure that a vaccine is on the way I'm sure that the treatment and quarantine and, and every all the protocols that they're taking uh, is going to work in the end I just feel like it just needs the time so just bear with the World Health Organization all the people making the decisions I feel like it will, it will correct itself because this this is something that is impacting every corner of the globe minus Antarctica and <laughs> is really impacting a lot of people whether it be you know you're in the travel industry you're in the automotive industry you're in tech you're a stock cool. trader everybody is Affected, so exactly. If you work for Bristot and you're delivering fucking coffee, <laughs> dog, you're affected. Look at this guy. He spent two weeks in a bed, dying. He, did. he was dying. Exactly. Dying of the black lung. Yeah. So, 
I mean, it's only a matter of time because the yeah. the the future of the world depends on it. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the apocalypse. Oh man! So, so fingers crossed, everyone. Alex Jones. Let's uh, let's hope that. Oh my God! Once the heat comes, the future it's of over. the world. No, this is no, this is definitely a, a serious matter. Uh, I hope. Obviously, a vaccine is on its way, and people just taking all the proper precautions to handle this. You know, disinfect wash things around you, wash your hands, sneeze into your elbow, doing everything the right way. So we don't want to spread this this uh, disease, not disease, but this virus even more. So keep your fingers crossed, everyone. We'll make it through. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a thumbs up, five-star review. Um, leave a comment in the comments section wherever you're listening to this podcast. And um, as always, we'll see you next time. Oh,